Good morning, Connection Church. How are you doing? All right. That's a lot better than it has been in the past week. Somebody's got some energy drinks or some coffee or something this morning. We're fired up to be in the house of the Lord this morning, right? All right, good. That's what I'm talking about. It's good stuff right there. Let me tell you, we keep playing hymns and stuff like that. I'm going to bring out the Baptist preacher in me. I'm going I'm to get fired up. It's awesome. I love Love worshiping the Lord. I love worshiping the Lord with you guys. I love standing in the presence of God every Sunday and being able to stand and raise my hands and having the freedom to do that in the country that we live in. It's such a blessing. Sometimes we take it for granted, don't we? So if it's your first time here this morning, uh, my name is Michael Page. I'm the pastor here at Connection Church in Pooler. Um, and if it's your first time here, I just want to give you a special welcome because we love first-time guests. We love people who are here for the first time trying to check us out because um, it means you're looking for a place to worship. It means you're, it means you're searching. And um, if you're searching here this morning, if you're searching for the truth, if you're searching for Jesus, if you're searching for a, a life change, if you're searching for any of those things, we would love to come alongside of you in that and walk with you because we are a church that our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And our heart believes, and my heart believes, that if you're connected to a growing relationship with Jesus where you're not stagnant, you're walking with Jesus, taking your next step of obedience, and you're walking with him every step of the way, that you're going to grow. And you're going to be able to step into what God's called you to as a person and what he's gifted you with in your life to carry out the plans and the purposes of his kingdom in the context of your life. That's good, right? It's good news. That's awesome. And so I'm so thankful, guys, that we're here this morning. God is moving in such a mighty way in our church family. I've seen so much stuff happening that pumps me up, seeing God work in the hearts of people and moving them from a place of just being content with worldliness and, and uh, just, a, and, uh, just a contentment and complacency to a place where they see that God wants more from them than a safe life and a long retirement. Like God has a, a plan for our life, and it far out, it far super, it supersedes our imagination is what Scripture says. You know, it's so important that you know, He's calling us away. We talked about this last week. He's calling us away from these small lives that we tend to live whenever we're in control. And He's offering us to trade our lives up for purpose and, with, and, and, and something that's lived with great influence in a culture that needs it. Because if you look outside these doors, outside the house of your doors of your house and your neighborhoods on the news, you can you can I mean we can agree that the world needs Jesus, correct? Yeah. Something needs to happen because right now things aren't okay. But but the Bible already said that we have an answer, and that's Jesus. So this morning, you know, look how Paul, look at Paul in, a, in Ephesians 4. Uh, Paul says to the Christians there, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Let those words sink into your heart for a second, because I'm speaking to everybody here, including myself, all of us together, in unison here. Like, I beg you. Whenever somebody says, I beg you, it means they're like, I'm, I need you to hear this. It's important. I, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So when I say that, when, I, when Paul says that to the Ephesians, guys, he's telling them, you have one life. YOLO, whatever. Yeah. You have one life. You only live once. You have one life, and you get to live it. God gives you free will because he loves you. We have a choice to make. And so live a life worthy of your calling. Just think for a second, if everyone in this room, all across this side, all across this side, all across, all over the place here, if we all gave our lives completely, everyone began to read the word, gave our lives over to the word, said, God, whatever you say in this scripture, I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to commit to reading the word. I'm going to commit to doing what it says in the pages of this Bible. Like, think about this for a second. 
And you begin obeying it, walking it out in your everyday life. It's not just on Sunday morning. It's not coming here and, you know, doing this and serve. But every day, this will just become a celebration. God, look what God's done throughout the week. Like this, this is a celebration time to celebrate all that God's done in our lives and through our, through our church and through, and through his community and through the world. And this will be a time where we come and we can get fired up and slap some high fives and worship and get fired up for what God's doing around us. You know, think about if every single one of us took that plunge. Wow. Like, think about that. Our minds can't comprehend the ways God, God's would move through our church and our community. And you would see just a, a mass revival because revival starts where? In our heart. In our heart. So that's where it's at. And I want to see this happen, don't you guys? I want to see it happen. We all should if, we believe, if we're believers in Christ. And so my question for you this morning is, why are you here? Like, I always ask this question, you know, every once in a while I like to throw it on you. Like, why are you here? Like, really think about your motives from walking into church this morning. Why? Is this just something I do? Or is, or am I, is God got me here for a purpose to hear a certain word, to, 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 to praise him, to get encouragement? Is, is he wanting to push me on to where he's trying to lead me? And so and have I been like, like Peter, like Peter whenever Jesus was arrested, only following him at a, at a distance? Safe enough not to get arrested, safe enough not to get in trouble, but I'm still following Jesus, but I'm at a distance. So where are we at? So he's calling us out today, guys, to be a people, the people that he created us to be. And that's more than, than a few weeks of attendance at church. It's way more than that. He, the Bible tells you, I was, I was sharing with some of our, 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 our volunteers this morning before church started. We were talking about how, we're talking about Gideon. Does everybody know the story of Gideon? Gideon was in a, in a, in a wine press. He was threshing wheat in a wine press, which was weird. You, can't, you ain't supposed to do that. You're supposed to throw the wheat up in the air and it's supposed to fly. But he was down on the ground because he was scared. He was scared of the Philistines. I think it was the Philistines. But he was scared. And so he's in there and God says, hey, Gideon, mighty man of God. And, and he's like, what? Do you see what I'm doing? And who are you, by the way? And so my thing is like, God called Gideon what he saw in Gideon, not what Gideon actually was in that moment. And so God's calling us out this morning as mighty men and women of God to do the things he's called us to do. It's about leveraging our entire life to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and seeing Jesus reign in our hearts and our lives and as Lord and not just Savior because we love the Jesus as Savior, but when he starts coming to our lives as Lord and starts rearranging things, it gets uncomfortable and we don't like that part, Right? That gets uncomfortable. But that's the part we need to give over to him because what did we talk about last week? There was two things. God is always sovereign and he's always good. And if he's always sovereign and he's always good, then he's a good Lord and I can give my life to him because I know he's good and he's sovereign. He sees things before I see things. And I know that I'm able to walk instead with him because he's not going to lead me anywhere. that's dangerous or out of, out of touch for him because he's good, right? So that's important to remember. Important to remember that. And so for a long time, I feel like the American church, our culture, has, has walked a fine line of religion. And, 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 and one side's religion and the other side's effectiveness, like effectiveness for the kingdom, and, and has lost its spiritual vigor and has exchanged it for comfort and for, and for preference. I like this color chair, this color carpet or whatever. Like we, we, we've exchanged those things where God's calling us to live this big life for Christ, to go out and to, and to reach the nations with the gospel, but we've dumbed it down to something comfortable that doesn't require much um, sacrifice. You know what I mean? That's, in my life, that's what I've seen anyway. And I, I, see, I see Jesus in Revelation. And, you know, I'm going to read a verse out of Revelation. Don't freak out. Um, it's talking, he's talking to the church, and they're suffering from the same trends. 
It's uh, Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3, and don't get tripped up on the first verse. He's saying, he's saying to the angel of the church in Sardis, write these, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits, the seven spirits of the seven pastors of the churches, and the seven stars. The seven stars represents the seven churches. I know your deeds. This is what you need to hear. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive. So if somebody came to your church, man, these guys are awesome. They're alive. They're great. That church down the street, they got it going on. But Jesus says, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have heard, what you've received, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. You do not know at what time I will be coming to you. Strengthen what remains and is what about to die. This is not a warning. This is more of a plea. Guys, look at what God has done for you. Look at the freedom that he offers, the freedom from sin, the freedom to live and to walk in the calling that you've been called to. It's so awesome, and so many times we get so numb to it. Like, do we talk about Jesus at church like he's an outsider? Do we sing, my resurrected king is resurrecting me? Like, it's, it's, it's somewhere in the future that you might hopefully get to if you read your Bible enough. No, it's happened already in the past. Jesus is resur- was resurrected so that I could walk in freedom now, not in the future, right now. We get to walk in that freedom and carry out the desires of God's heart right now. So it's time for us to walk in that, you know? You know do, we, do we know a lot about Jesus or do we know him and have an intimate relationship with him where I'm walking in step with him? Because one is beautiful. The other one is very dangerous and scary. It's scary. Now, we've become very satisfied, you know, like the, the Pharisees were in Jesus' day. Like with, the Pharisee says, we have our father Moses. We don't need this stuff. We have Moses and the law. You know, they were so self-righteous. I got my stuff. Leave me alone. But aren't we the same way with, the past, with pastors sometimes? I, Billy Graham, I'm, I, that's my man. Or Stephen Furtick or, or Louis Giglio, all these guys. Everything they say, I believe it. I'm, I'm on board. I'm with it. Listen, we have access to the, the, the God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We can go up to the mountain of God ourselves and, and listen to what God wants to say through Scripture. And I'm not saying don't listen to pastors because, you know, obviously I'm not saying that. What I am saying that Jesus is here. He's here in our midst. If our hearts are turned towards his, he said he's here. Two or more. There's more than two. He's here with us now. He's in our midst. Our heart cry must be about seeking his presence because in God's presence is where healing and where freedom comes. It's where marriages are restored. It's where where addictions, the chain of addictions, they fall off. It's It's where newness of life comes from is in the presence of God. And it's not found on a Sunday morning. It's found in your prayer closet at home. It's found in your living room of reading the word, saying, God, come into my life and change me. God, show me what you've created me for. On the day that you thought about me to create me, I want to be that person, right? That's what our prayer needs to be. You know, strengthen what remains. Like, listen, get connected. Get into his presence. Don't be satisfied with coming here and listening to this pastor just talk about things in Scripture. Know the word. I, I long for a church one day that I may miss up something. Somebody says, hey, bro, that's not what it says in the word right here. I'll be like, whoa, that's awesome. I mean, that, 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 that's awesome because we're sharpening one another. You know what I mean? Take God's word for it. His word is, 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 is infallible. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our series in the 412 reading plan. Where we're preaching and, and teaching and, and walking through our reading plan straight from Scripture. This is the fourth, and this is the final week in John. Next week will be in Acts, and we're going to be talking about some awesome stuff next week, the Holy Spirit. If y'all know about the Holy Spirit, come next week. I'll tell you a little bit about it because 
It's going to be good. We want to continue, guys, with this. Um, it, as we're doing this this last week, we want to continue with this idea of God wanting to awaken his followers to who he is and what he wants to do. Because if you're a Christian in here, or if you are a, a, a person who claims to be a Christian, it may not be, in your, your life may not look like you, but, but you're claiming Christ. You want to follow Jesus. Everybody, if I said, who wants to follow Jesus? It's like me. Like, who wants to be in God's will? Me. Everybody wants to be in God's will. Everybody wants to follow Jesus. Everybody wants God's blessings. Everybody wants to walk in favor with God. Right? Everybody wants that. But when it comes to walking it out, whenever Jesus says, I want this part of your life, we like, mm-mm. It's like it's, we walk away from it. But God is wanting to awaken us to who he is because when we see his good and when he's sovereign, man, it's easy. So what is he trying to do through his church, not this church, the big C church? So what is he trying to do? And let's get on board with that. Let's go to where he's working and join him there. Let's not try to start something new. He's, he's God. He's got it going on. He's got his plans and he's got his purposes already put into place. It's our job to be sensitive to the spirit, to walk it out, to go where he's at and walk with him, to be obedient. And so let's walk that together. And so, you know, so often I hear people praying for revival. Who's ever prayed for revival in here? I have. God, revive your church. Revive my heart. God, let's, I want to see revival like I've never seen, the renewal. But that only comes as we turn our eyes to Jesus, 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 just Jesus, and we start killing the idols in our lives. Now we're on stables of toes. Like, we start killing idols in our lives, the things that have our heart that overshadow Jesus in some areas, killing those idols. Some of that's our responsibility, done through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's our responsibility to stomp those things out, to, to, to do whatever it takes to get right with the Lord. Looking to Him and stirring our affections for Him. That's what it's about. So this morning, I want to pray real quick. I want to jump into John chapter 15, and then we're going to look at what, what Jesus says about being um, connected to Him to be able to carry out what we're called to do. So Lord, we love You. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for what You're doing in our church. I pray, Father, that You would come and um, just speak through Your Word, soften our hearts, God, I pray for the person here that's far away that you would draw them near. God, speak wisdom, speak life. Lord, we just love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at John 15, um, verses 1 through 11. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Before we, before we read, I want to set this up a little bit because I like to set it up, you know. It's kind of like the volleyball. You have a setup and you have a spike. That's kind of what I, I want to set it up and I want to spike it. Okay, so this is good. Set it up. So this morning, we're going to be looking at John 15. And um, this, this passage we're going to be looking at is, is outlining the seventh and the last of Jesus' I am statements. Does everybody know what Jesus' I am statements? Uh, he said, I am the bread of life in one passage. He said, I am the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm, I'm the true vine. And so we're on the last one of those today. We're going to be talking about the true vine. And what does the true vine mean? And Jesus is having a conversation. We need to hear about this is because Jesus is having this conversation. You're going to understand more about this in a second when we read. He's having this conversation less than 24 hours before everybody's going to portray him. Less than 24 hours. Judas is going to be gone. John or Peter's going to be running for the hills. Everybody's going to be scattering because they're scared. Less than 24 hours, he's having this conversation with him, which is amazing. Everything you're about to read, everything we're about to read together is being said by Jesus, even though Jesus is fully aware that all of his disciples are about to run and about to say, I don't know the man and is about to say, I don't blankety blank know the man for Peter. He cursed, he cursed and said, I don't, I don't know the man. I don't know him. He, but then he, he goes back and he promises the Holy Spirit, and then he has this conversation in John 15. Let's read this together. Jesus is talking to his disciples. 
It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So we see two things there. That's good. God is giving power through Jesus. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, be, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you but bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's a lot of remains in there, right? Some of you, some of you ASB guys out there, you know, NASB guys, maybe having the word abide, right? Abide, live, remain, remain, remain. There's 11 times it says remain in me, remain in my word, remain in love, remain, remain, remain. There's some, there's some activity that has to happen for you to remain somewhere, right? I have to focus on staying in that moment, that's that place, because who has distractions in their life? Everybody. We all struggle with stuff. Listen, there's some imagery in here that probably doesn't strike us like it would have struck the Jews in the first century. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, that's a loaded meaning. It's like there's a lot, of, there's a lot of, of, of meat in there. And throughout the Old Testament, the image of the vine, um, you can look at a grapevine or any type of vine was used for God's people, Israel. In the Old Testament, anytime you see the word vine, it's usually referring back to Israel or God's people. So in the Old Testament, it came, it came across, if you, if, if you read and it come across that thing, it can always point back to Israel, but always, every time it was used, it was used negatively, always negatively. In the Old Testament, when Israel was, was the vine, it was always accompanied with a declaration that, that they were a vine that didn't bear fruit. So if you have a, some kind of vine in your yard that's not bearing fruit, what do you do to it? You cut it down. It's dead. It's, it's useless. It doesn't work. You, burn, you, you take it out to the, to, the, to the fire pit and you burn it. It's done. You know, when, when you heard the vine terminology in the first century as a Jew, it was almost always a pronouncement of a coming judgment. But Jesus is turning that on its head and saying, I am the true vine. I bear fruit and you can bear fruit through me. He says, I'm doing what you can't do. He's looking at these guys and saying, I'm, I'm coming to do what you've never been able to do. I'm coming, I'm coming to, to be what you've never been able to be. This is a gospel proclamation right here. Jesus is telling them the gospel in, 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 one, in one little passage. This is the gospel. Through me, you can do all things. Without me, you can do nothing. Save yourself. Can't save yourself, but through Jesus, we can. We can be saved. And he says, the type of fruitfulness that pleases the Lord that you've been unable to walk in I'll make it possible for you now. You know, remember last week we talked about grace. Remember the grace definition we talked about last week? No? Okay, one or two. All right, so it's, it's the ability of God working in us and doing for us what we can't do in our own ability. Unmerited favor is out the window at this point because I mean, that's, that's a very loose definition. It's what it is, but the, the better definition is the ability of God working in us, doing for us what we can't do in our own ability. Because I can't save myself, can you? I need, I need a savior because I'm sinful. 
Um, I, I, can't, I can't present the gospel to a stranger without the help of the Holy Spirit because I get nervous. Do you guys? Um, I can't preach without the power of the Holy Spirit because I, and if those of you that know me in real life, I'm not too smart. Um, and, I, and, so, and so he works for me, so I'm going to talk to him about it. So, uh, this is what, and this is what's happening in John 15. It's a very vivid picture of grace. Jesus is saying, you have not been able to be fruitful in the way that pleases God, but I got you. I got you. I got you guys. I got you. He's saying, I got this. I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm here now. We're good. I got you. So there are a few things as we're looking at this, I want to go through. And you know me. I like points to kind of guide us through the scripture. You know, so there's a few things that rise to the surface here that I want us to start applying to our lives. But the thing is, if we, if we have a lot of knowledge and if we don't apply it to our life, we don't apply it to our connect groups, our marriages, our relationships, guess what? It's pointless. Knowledge without application is useless. Can we agree with that? It's pointless, and it's, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous that you would even do it because you're just wasting time if you're not going to put it into use. All right, number one, um, I'm looking through this scripture, and I'm, and I'm looking through here, and it says, and I, and I believe with all my heart as I read this, the number one thing is authentic faith always produces fruit. Authentic faith in Jesus always produces fruit. The Bible says you will know them by their what? You'll know them by what they do. And so it's impossible for a Christian to meet Jesus and to not be fruitful in what they do. And so, so many times you're like, don't judge, the people are like, don't judge me, don't judge me. I, I'm not judging you, I'm just saying I, I don't see the fruit. You know what I mean? Well, we have to have fruit if we're going to be a follower of Jesus because what God does, he comes in and he, he, he gives us life through the vine, which we are the branches and we produce fruit. And since Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, the true source of nourishment, strength, life, and security, that has to mean there's some counterfeit sources of nourishment, security, and life, right? Who's ever had some counterfeit security for nourishment? I've had a lot of that in my life. Jesus is the true vine where the true nourishment comes from that works the best in our hearts and our lives because he knows us because he's the creator and the creator always knows what's best for the created, right? Can we agree with that? Yes, amen. All right, here we go. We simply, all we gotta do, guys, it says in scripture, we simply have to remain. It's, it's not hard. We simply remain. To abide, I looked in the dictionary, surprise, surprise. To, to abide is basically to continue in a place. I don't know what that means, but basically I'm just, I'm just staying in the same place. I'm, 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 I'm staying here until God leads me. And one thing you can always know between God and Satan, God always leads you from in front of you. Satan always pushes you. Go, go, go. God takes your hand and leads you and guides you through life, through situations, through, through circumstances. So if you're being pushed, hold on to the brakes for a second and say, God, is this where you're calling me to go? If you're being led... Pray through that and ask God to give you some confirmation of that because that's usually what happens. Because that's what, that's, what, that's what I'm seeing in church today. The, across all of these churches, I see people who are exhausted and tired and stressed because, because we've been trying to grow fruit on a branch that is disconnected from the vine. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it's bad to be stressed or exhausted or tired, but I'm saying go back to him for that. But I'm saying people who are so exhausted because they've been trying to exert so much energy, to, I'm trying to bear this fruit, but I can't get it because they haven't been connected to the vine. You know, we have been seeking a process, and listen, to this. if you don't hear anything else this morning, listen to this. We've been trying to seek a process to get the fruit rather than the source that grows the fruit. 
You know, does that make sense? I've been trying to seek this A plus B. I'm going to get this, and I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to pray for this person. I'm going to get healed. I'm going to do this and this, and I, I'm going to A plus B. And we forget about Jesus. But Jesus is the source of those gifts, source of those lives, and source of those, that energy. And we've been seeking the process to get the fruit rather than the source that grows the fruit. And so it, it, we have to just rest in him. And we kill ourselves. We're trying to be good enough, do enough, get there, do, do more, do more, do more. But anything we produce in our life apart from Christ is counterfeit. It doesn't work. It's, it's short-lived. And it'd just be like a little, you've been, you've saw those cheap fireworks from Walmart. It kind of goes, this past 4th of July, it's quick, short-lived, boring, you know? But you, get, you go down the street to the little side street, get the, the $100 ones to go up in there, and it's like, whoa, that's awesome. Those are the good ones, just so, just so you know. Don't come to Jonathan Holmes' house shoot fireworks next year, by the way. Um, he's crazy. All right, so we see that with the source of our fruit, and we kill ourselves trying to do this. And if you look, who's ever, who likes roses? Three people. All right. Roses are beautiful. I can say it. I like roses, okay? Roses are, I just love how there's so much, there's so many sermon illustrations in a rose. But you think about roses. Um, whenever the rose starts to wilt and the petals start falling off, it starts to be like, ah, it's weird. You know, it's dead. And it, trying to, to work our way into the kingdom, trying to work our way to get to where God wants us to go, trying to work our, work our way into our fruit is like taking that rose and stapling the rose petals back on the rose and saying, look at my pretty rose. That's exactly what we do in our life where I'm dead in my sin and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work my way to those fruit. I'm trying to staple those gifts to my life and trying to add them to my life. And that doesn't work, does it? Because the rose still stings and it's still dead. Right? That's right. So we need to see that for what it is because we don't grow fruit by focusing on the fruit. You see that? We don't grow the fruit by focusing on our fruit. Fruit naturally happens when our roots are deep and healthy in the gospel. We know the gospel, our fruit starts rising to the surface. Some Christians approach spiritual growth like stapling rose petals on a dead rose bush. If you have a dead rose bush, you don't fix it by putting the rose petals back on the rose bush. FYI, for all you people that lack green thumbs, that's my advice for today. Don't do that. But in the same way, guys, you don't grow spiritually by trying to add love, joy, peace into your life. You do it by leaning into Christ and abiding in him, leaning into him, leaning into Jesus. God, I need you, God. I, can't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Lord, I need you. The more you embrace his love and the promises that are in the gospel, the more fruit will start appearing naturally in your life. You, we won't, there won't be any problem with giving or serving or loving or evangelism or community because those things will start to be naturally what you want to do because you have a heart for Christ. And that's what Jesus is about right? So the, his attributes will start becoming your attributes because he's filling you up. He's, he's, his vine is, is, is feeding your branch to make you bear fruit. It's a beautiful thing. And the way I love to look at it is the more we embrace his love and the promises in the gospel, the more that we pr produce fruit through him. And Jesus said, abide in me, rest in me, remain in me. But so, much, so many times I work hard to try to get to God, but Jesus has already done that. Jesus has done the work. I just have to rest. Like, for example, just kind of carry this, this, this analogy a little further. I love this one. Like, have you ever walked, who has a fruit tree in their, their house? Anybody have a fruit tree? Fruit trees. All right, apples, oranges, pears. We're in Georgia, so peaches. Um, so have you ever walked by one of those trees or, or a rose bush? Who has roses? A lot of people. A few rose bushes. Have you ever walked by that rose bush and heard that thing going, 
I, I, I got to make this fruit. I'm going to make this fruit. Have you ever heard it doing that? Have you ever heard it trying to strain to make the fruit or the, make the flower? No, you never heard that. It's naturally produced because it's connected to the source of its life. It's, not, it's a simple concept. I'm just trying to give you some analogies here. Then, uh, then it only makes sense, guys, that we, as fruit bearers for the kingdom, we only produce fruit by being connected to the source of our life, right? That, that's what it looks like. And listen, when we try to do things in our own ability, we screw it up 100% of the time for the kingdom. I'm not sure about you, but that's, I'm speaking for myself. It's, it's not even close. Like, I messed it up. I, God, I need you to come and give me the grace to do what I can't do in my own power. God, please come. God, I just want to rest in you. God, give me wisdom. God, give me understanding. God, give me grace because I need it. I need you to come and live through me, God. And this is really a big point. And get your pens ready because this is big. It's going to change your life. And it's like a big monumental point. Like, listen, it's impossible to follow Jesus without Jesus. Right? It's simple. It's impossible to follow Jesus without Jesus. But so many times we come to church, we go to connect group, we go out to our jobs, and we leave Jesus at the door. We forget about it. It's like I'm, I'm following Jesus, kind of like the Pharisees. And God was standing right in front of the Pharisees. The God they worshiped was standing in human form in front of them, and they rejected him. So it, shouldn't it, it, it might be easy for us to do the same thing just by process of, you know, thinking through that a little bit. It's like it's, it's scary that, that we could be able to do that. I don't want to do that. But we try to do that. And as I read John 15, I feel like Jesus is saying, I am what you couldn't be. But, remember from last week, but, it's a big but right there. I'm, going, I'm, tr- I'm growing you into who I am. I, I'm, I am what you couldn't be, but I'm growing you into what I am. And how does God do this? The second point, it's probably the hardest. He prunes us. God prunes those he loves. God prunes those he loves. I'm not sure if you're like me, but I love a good set of head streamers, man. I'll just destruction, just tearing, you know, I love like just cutting down trees and making sure they look pretty and, and just all that kind of stuff. I haven't done it in a while. My wife's looking like I'm crazy because, you know, I, I was a kid. My dad used to work me a lot. So head streamers is always awesome. And one of the most important truths that you need to hear this morning, that we're going to be going through this, that God prunes those he loves, is pruning does not point to a lack of love from God. Pruning does not point to a lack of love from God. It actually points the opposite way. It shows us that he loves us. Now, God prunes those he loves, and those who truly belong to him, that's who he prunes. And so I started thinking about, like, what are some ways that God prunes us? What are some, like, practical ways that God prunes us? And I thought of three. Um, The first one I thought about was conviction. Who's ever been convicted in here? I've been convicted a lot this morning, probably. But listen, there, and we, we, get, we get tripped up with conviction, though, sometimes, don't we? Like, there's a difference in condemnation and conviction. Like, condemnation comes from the enemy, comes from people, comes from enemy through people. Conviction comes from God. Condemnation is kind of overarching. You're a terrible person. You are no good for nothing. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're terrible at your job. You're just not a, you're not going to ever amount to anything. Conviction comes very pointed. It's very pointed. This right here is what I want you to give to me. This sin right here, this job, this relationship, this money, this car, this whatever, whatever it may be, this sin in your life, that is, is very pointed. And he, the reason God convicts us is he wants to refine us, to bring us into alignment with where he is. And what I learned is, is conviction, it's nothing more than an indicator and a call to action. It's an indicator to say something's wrong. 
An indicator, like, an indicator says there's something, there's something going on. If you see an indicator light in your car, it's time to get an oil change or they put some tape over it, you know? Just joking. Um, listen, it's an indicator. There's something wrong. Like, it says you need to do something about this problem. There's an indicator here. You know, if you had a hot stove and you had your hand on it and the stove was hot, you'd move it because you felt this was wrong. It's time to move. And so many times we sit in it and we get comfortable with our conviction. We come to church and we'll hear a message. We're like, gosh, that really burdened my heart, man. What is that? That's called conviction. Okay? But the thing is, we got comfortable in that conviction. We're comfortable with saying, man, that's a good, that was a good sermon. That was a good Bible study. That was a good verse. That really got me, man. All right, next thing. And we just, we just get comfortable in that conviction. But God is calling us to change. If you get convicted, move. Find a Christian brother or sister and say, hey, man, this is what I'm going through. This is what I've been hearing. What do you think? Find somebody to bounce that off of because we're meant to do life together in community, connect groups. Go sign up next step table after church. Good. All right, number two. Number two is circumstances. God, he prunes us through our circumstances sometimes, right? Like, I've been in some pretty bad circumstances where I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? I don't even know what's happening. Like, I'm out of the twilight zone. Like, how many of us know that, that God will use the circumstance to build our character, right? He'll build our character through circumstances. A terrible job, a horrible boss, a, a tough marriage in the early years, or maybe children. I'll find out in a few weeks. All these different things. Like, God's going to build some character in these areas in your life. You know, God can use things like he flat out hates to bring good and growth in our lives. Who agrees with that? Hey, listen, he, he will use something that happened that is terrible to bring good in your life, into people's lives, into our lives, and to show us what he wants us to go. Circumstances, it's big. Number three, steps of faith. God refines us, he prunes us through steps of faith. But the beautiful part of that is he gives us the opportunity to walk it out with him. God can prune us in times and places and circumstances where he challenges us to step out. Talk to that person about me. Share the gospel. Why do you think Satan wants you to stay away from your Bible? Why do you think Satan wants to keep you away from prayer? Why do you think Satan wants to keep you away from community? Because he wants you powerless to spread the gospel of Jesus. He wants you powerless to, to encourage people. He wants you powerless in the face of those next steps. But God says he's given us a spirit of what? Power and of love, self-control, to walk out the things he called us, he's called us to in our life. He's called us outside of our comfort zones. Like, we're going to feel inadequate so we can lean into him. We can lean back on the vine to provide that power, that love, that energy we need. Like, God prunes those he loves. And you got to hear this, is that God prunes those he loves so that his love can bear more fruit. So the ones he loves can bear more fruit, or we can bear more fruit. He prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. You think about the way that you, that you prune a, 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 a rose bush, or you prune a tree that, that bears fruit. You prune, you prune it so it can produce more fruit. You get all the excess stuff out of the way, the foliage out of the way. You get all those things. You kind of trim it down and, and make it more, it makes it more beautiful, but it also produces more fruit, right? It makes it more healthy. It makes it more healthy, and that's what he does through those times. Pruning produces healthier fruit. Pruning produces healthier fruit. You want to grow in your faith? Allow God to prune your life and don't run away from it. And I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest increase in fruit in your life will usually be found in the middle of the greatest struggles you walk through. I'm telling you right now, from experience, that the greatest increases in your fruit in your life will usually be found in the middle of the greatest struggles you walk through. It's the way it happens because when you're in the middle of those things, it's like, I don't understand. But don't run away from those things. But the problem with our culture, guys, is it teaches us to run to comfort, don't it? I'm going to run to comfort 
comfort to the next thing. It's natural to lean away from the uncomfortable, but I want to encourage us to press into those difficulties that we walk through and let them finish their work in us. You know, when it comes to trials and when it comes to pruning, when a pruning occurs, our, quest, our questions to God should, should be, God, what can I learn from this? God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me about my life? What, what, do I need to, what do I need to surrender? What do I need to let go of? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? Is it, is it uh, just, it, what is it? God, what is it? Do I need to let go of And start asking those kind of questions and stop asking questions like, why me, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why did you take away this person from my life? Why did you let me lose my house? Or why did you let my mom get sick? Or why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And start asking questions because we're not in charge and say, God, what can I learn? Lord, teach me, give me strength. In those moments, the strength of God is gonna push you to bear fruit. The Spirit of God is going to come in and empower you to see that God is working even in those circumstances that are hard. That's where we're growing. That's how we grow as individuals. That's how we grow as in, to be more like Christ. Every time you agree with and follow the Holy Spirit through the process of pruning, you'll come out more satisfied, more joyful, more free, more empowered, and, and the fruit is naturally going to come. It's the, the fruit, and you'll be more fruitful than you were before. And, and if you don't believe me, try it. Don't shy away from the uncomfortable things God walks us through. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. It says, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, right? I remember my dad's paddle very well to this day. Um, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So my, my, my thing for you this morning is don't run from pain. On the other side of pain, there's either, there's either bitterness or there's growth. We have a choice, don't we? But we have a choice. And that's why I love Jesus so much, man. He gives us free will. Like, free will is such a privilege, man. I, I, he don't make us follow him. He wants us to choose to. And as he's pruning us, when that pain comes, when those testing comes, like, we have a choice to say, God, why me? Or, God, what can I learn? When I say, God, what can I learn? Like, Listen, there's growth. But when I say, God, why me? There's bitterness. And you want to see a life that can be destroyed very quickly, but very long term? Let a root of bitterness form in your life. Let a root of bitterness form in your life, and you'll see your life start going. Everything would just seem ah, not, hopeless, despair. Like bitterness is one of Satan's greatest weapons to destroy Christians' lives. Let God use you through those times of pruning and let him grow you into who he's calling you to be. Because on the other side of the pruning, on the other side of the growth, God has a beautiful picture of who you are in him that he wants to use for the kingdom of God. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's awesome, man. He's trying to, he's trying to get you through this sanctification process to the glorification process where we become like Christ. It says in 1 John, it says in the end, we don't, we don't know what we're going to be like, but one thing we do know is we're going to be like him. Right? It's First John 4, if you don't agree, it's good. Um, but listen, remember our points from last week. Remember these. Don't mistake pain for preparation. Don't mistake pain for preparation. God, what is this happening? What's going preparation. God's preparing you for something. God's preparing you for more fruit, more influence, more things that he's trying to call you to in your life. And don't mistake discomfort for refinement. Because there's some areas in your life that God may need to refine, some edges that he may need to sand down and chip away because he's making you into a masterpiece. The Bible says in James 1, verse 4, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. 
And this is speaking spiritually, spiritually mature. And like you think about being spiritually mature, like it says let, that word let is huge. Allow the perseverance to finish its work in us. Don't shrink away. Don't throw money at it. Don't do that. Let it work its way out of your life. Let it work. Let it finish its work. Let it finish its work. Because if you don't let it finish its work, there's a problem. You're, 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 there's some birth defects there. There's some problem issues in, in the way that you're being grown. There's not, you're not mature. You're not complete. You'll be lacking. But let it finish its work, God's work, and it'll, it'll move in your life. Number three. Number three. What is fruit? Question. What is fruit? What does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean to be fruitful? Does it mean, does it mean that we're going to have amazing careers and we're going to get, not get sick and we're going to have everybody love us for all eternity? Everybody loves us. Nobody's going to get mad at us. We're going to be good. No, that's, that's not fruit at all. Is it a big bank account? No, that's not fruit either. What's fruit? Bearing fruit is an overflow of the love relationship we have with Jesus in our life. That's what it is. Bearing fruit is an overflow of the love relationship we have with Jesus in our life. We love him, right? We love Jesus. I'm spending time with Jesus. I'm in the word. I'm, 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 I'm learning. I'm taking in information, but I'm not just taking information. I'm doing what? I'm applying it. I'm applying it to my life. So I start, what happens when I start doing that? When I start praying? When I start praying in the spirit? When I start praying in my prayer closet? When I start memorizing the scripture? These words start getting in my heart like David said. It says, I've stored your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not what? Sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. When I start doing that, what's going to happen? My life is going to start looking like Jesus, Right? That's what's going to happen. I'm going to start looking like Jesus the more I walk with him, the more I pray, the more, I, the more that I walk through this world with Jesus, fruit is going to be revealed out of my life for what he's doing in my life through scripture and through prayer. But what keeps us from, from, um, from bearing fruit? What keeps us from doing that? What holds us back? And I want to read a verse in, um, in John 15 again. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. I want us to read through this together. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's, he's defining the relationship there. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's kind of a bold statement, right? You're like, apart from me, I can do nothing. What the heck, God? Like, I, I can't do nothing? Like, I mean, I know that's, that's, I know that's not what he's saying because I see people trying to do stuff all the time for the kingdom that are outside of God's will and detached from the vine trying to buy $64 million planes on the backs of other people. So what I'm saying is like, you think about this, is like, I can, I can do nothing apart from Christ. Is what it's saying is I can do nothing with eternal, with it that has eternal value. I can do nothing that has eternal value apart from Christ. That's what it's saying. Without him, I, I'm, I'm hopeless eternally. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. This is not a reference to hell. This is, this is a parable that's, that's an imagery. And if we start using parables and imagery to kind of form our theology, it gets kind of dicey because it's talking about real life situations. So be careful when you read scripture like that. Okay? It's basically saying it's, it's taking an image of chopping down a vine and throwing away because it's useful. It's, not, it's useless. It says be fruitful. It says if you do not remain in me and you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers... Without Christ, we're going to wither. We're going to be useless. We're going to wither away. Now, verse 7. If you remain in me, there's a big and there. And my words remain in you. How do you do that? You memorize scripture. You memorize the word. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
Does that mean I'm going to get a sports car? No, that means my, my love and my, my desire is going to be God's desire as I read God's word and as I pray and my relationship with him becomes congruent. I want to say, God, I just want more of you. I want more of what you want. So if I'm starting to ask things in God through the scripture and through God's will, God's going to give things that is in his will, right? More people coming into the kingdom, those types of things. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. You'll know them by their fruit. And one of the greatest supernatural mysteries of what it means to be a Christian is around the idea of union with Christ. That I'm in him and he is in me. It works out a couple of different ways, but mainly it works in how God sees us. And today I know there's people here that see themselves as worthless, as a failure. I've failed so many times. I can't even follow Jesus, right? I've tried to, I've tried to join Bible studies. I don't get along with people. I've done this and I've had a divorce and I've, and I have this kind of problem. I have this addiction. I have a, Satan wants to destroy your life in case you didn't know. Okay. He wants to use sin to do it. And he wants to use, um, he wants to use those things that he says, he says into your mind as he speaks into your ear that you're worthless. Well, I want to tell you this morning that God has value. He holds value with you because he sees you as one that's dearly loved because you're in Christ if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian this morning, when God sees you, he sees the perfect obedience in Christ. That's awesome, right? I'm clinging to Christ because he has the perfect obedience that it required to, to come to God. Not our failures. He that's not what he sees. The obedience of Christ, which is perfect. With this passage, it also points to the intimacy with Jesus that we're welcomed and delighted into. Like, this is so hard for us to understand and to believe in, and here's why. Like, if you've ever, I, I used to lead a youth group a long time ago, believe it or not, and that we, the, the funniest things would happen, right? These, this boy and this girl would get together. They, they'd see each other from across the room, raise their hands and worship. They'd be attracted to each other's holiness. That's not what they were attracted to, but I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> they were, they were, they, were, they, they got together, they started dating, they were sixth graders or seventh graders or eighth graders, and then all of a sudden one day, two days later, they broke up, okay? They broke up. What happens? They start avoiding each other. And they're, they're over here, they're over here, this person left the group because this person's here. But it's, it's kind of an elementary example, but don't we do the same thing whenever we've offended somebody? Whenever we offend, we tend, we tend to avoid, right? If I offend you, I'm like, I don't want to deal with that today, you know? It's, that person's coming, I'm going to look over this way. You know, I, I, I tend to avoid it. If I, if I feel like I've hurt your feelings, I don't want to talk to you right now because I, I, it's uncomfortable, right? Because I feel like you look at me differently. And I don't want you to do that. But we do this with Jesus because we see our sin and we're like, I don't want to deal with that right now. You know, I don't want to walk in that. What's so amazing in these verses right here is that Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you, and we, that we are welcomed. And but not just welcome, we're delighted in. And you think about what delighted in means. Like, think about your children. There's not much that they can do to make you not delight in them, right? You love them. Listen, I, I know there's different types of kids, but I'm just saying. Listen, hear this. You don't clean yourself up to come to God. You don't say, I gotta, I gotta, get, I gotta kick this alcohol problem before I come to God. That's not how it works at all. You come to God desperate and say, Jesus, I need you. You come to God, and he cleans you up. He cleans you up. He brings those things out of you and walks those things out of you, and it's time for us to start running to him and start running away from him because he says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches, and that means that I get to be connected to the Savior of the universe, and it's not, the, it's not due so that I might be approved. It's love 
so therefore I do. And this is where the fruit comes in. The closer we lean into Jesus, the greater the fruit becomes in our lives. We, come, we, we can't come in contact with Jesus and remain the same. And so I look at Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And it says, against such things, there is no law. And I look at this and it says, the fruit of the Spirit is, and it's, it's singular, and it's not plural, which makes me think, like, what's happening? What this means is it's not separate virtues, but one whole thing. When I come to Jesus, I get all these things, love and joy and peace and patience, which means you're really only as mature as your most immature fruit. And so as you're walking today, realize this, where Jesus is, these fruits grow as one. And when he's there, you'll be bold, you'll be gentle, you'll be compassionate, you'll be patient and joyful. And this is why I can say we're only, that we're only mature as our most immature fruit because if you don't have patience, you're probably not gonna be loving, right? If, you, if you're not, if you like uh, love, you're probably not gonna be gentle. If, you, if you're lacking gentleness, you're probably not gonna be kind. And so what is it, you see this leads us that Jesus loves us, but he's trying to make something new out of us. And so this morning, I just want to say there's so much hope in this. And my, my, my question for you is that, you know, what are you attached to this morning? As we're, as we're closing out, like, what are you attached to? Like, are you attached to the vine? Are you attached to something else that's giving you some sort of counterfeit fruit? That's a big question. That's something you need to think about. Because unless we're attached to the vine, which is Jesus, there's going to be no fruit. Is it Jesus and Jesus alone? there's nothing else because we have that choice to abide in Christ or don't. It's simple. We must choose. And so this morning, I just want to pray for you as we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit up here for a few minutes. If you guys need some prayer, I want to pray with you. If you guys need some, if you guys want to come and say, hey man, I just, I need Jesus. I've been, I've been faking it for a long time, but I need, I need to come to the Lord and actually know what it means to follow Jesus. I want to walk through that with you. Um, we usually ask people to raise their hands here, but this morning, I, just, I feel like we need to do it a little bit different. I won't be standing here for as long as it takes. I'll be here forever if I need to be because that's how much I care about it because this relationship is the most important thing that you'll ever decide on your entire life. You believe that? It's true. And so I want to pray for you, and then I'll be down here, and then um, for those of you who need to go, we can go. So, Father God, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. God, I thank you for being a good God. I thank you for being a sovereign God. I pray, Lord, that you would just come and continue to work in our lives, that you would continue to move in our hearts. God, for the person here this morning who may be struggling with bitterness, God, or who may be struggling with something, Father, that, that, that no one else knows about, I pray that you would give them courage. I pray, God, that you would just uh, allow someone to take that step, Father, of faith and saying, I just need Jesus. I'm, I'm not a Christian. I need Jesus. Maybe it's someone who's been a Christian for a long time and has fallen away and, and needs to come back. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would just change hearts. God, as people leave here today, I pray that the word would just stick strong to their hearts and that Satan would steal it away. God, that you would just love us, you would protect us, and you would bring us back here next week. God, we just love you. We just ask God.